0: Are you done medicating and guessing your way through the exhaustion, pain, and irritability caused by menstrual cycle and digestive health issues? Sophie Shepard, founder of SHE, will help you go from symptom-ridden and confused to finally having clarity about how your menstrual cycle works and confidence in your health strategy in just 10 days. If you are ready to stop living with painful, heavy, irregular, or non-existent periods, no energy, brain fog, anxiety, and digestive issues, then check out the 10-Day Digestive and Hormone Reboot at SheTalksHealth.com. Welcome to She Talks Health with Sophie Shepard. Today's woman has a lot of questions about their health and lifestyle choices, but where can you get the right answers? The answer is here and the time is now. Here is your host, Sophie Shepard.
1: Welcome back, ladies, to the She Talks Health Podcast. This is your host, Sophie Shepard, functional nutrition coach and menstrual health coach. And I am so excited to have this special guest here today, um, Sarah Clark, because she has just an incredible story to tell, and she's going to inspire you all. I'm so, so excited. Sarah, when she was 28 years old, received a diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. She actually accepted the diagnosis and had both of her children through in in vitro fertilization Years later, she realized the root cause of her infertility was actually a food intolerance. So now she's a fertility coach and she works with couples worldwide to help them get pregnant naturally. Sarah, welcome to the She Talks Health podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I am too. This is just, I'm so, I'm like, I have chills already thinking about what I'm about to hear. Can you, can we just dive right in and start with, what happened when you were 28? And, and while you tell your story, I think a lot of women probably don't know what premature ovarian failure is. So please tell us a bit more of your story.
2: Yeah, so for sure. So definitely, so in my early 20s, we were having like a regular cycle. So I had my cycle a couple times a year. Back then, I thought that was a good thing. Obviously not. Um, and I had a yeast, in, I had uh, yeast infections, just a, a few of them. I had a weird fungal rash in my chest. And also in my early 20s, started getting acne on my chin. And so first line of defense went to my doctor and was put on birth control. And then I had so some birth control for about five years or so or five to seven years and had the life plan on getting married at twenty-five, did that, and then wanted to have our kids at twenty-eight. So went off the birth control pill and and in the meantime, you know, none of those symptoms obviously the period was regular, but it was it was a false, you know, false regulation. So went off and the period was still irregular. And um, went to my OBGYN and was told I had uh, premature ovarian failure, otherwise now it's called premature ovarian insufficiency, but the loss of function of the ovaries before the age of 40, and told the only way I'd ever have children is by using donor eggs, I remember her reaching up, grabbing the IVF brochure, and saying, um, off to the fertility clinic you go, and I'm a major person of action, but I I didn't take any time to grieve. I didn't take any time to get a second, I didn't even get a second opinion. Um, I didn't um, dig into what was, uh, what was going on, uh, what was going on with my health. And, um,
1: sorry, folks, we're in COVID land where we both are working from home and we're going to have outside, um, noises coming in. <laughs> Some weird um, noises coming in. Sorry. That sorry was my, about that. Keep going, my, Sarah. Keep going.
2: Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so I went straight to the fertility clinic, got on a list for a donor egg. This is you know, many years ago, and we're l- lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter, and she's just about to turn 19. So this is like back in the day when you said donor eggs, and people are like, I don't know what that is. Now we've got, there's little embryos wow. waiting for embryo adoption or embryo donation. I had someone on my podcast who talked about uh, her experience with, um, embryo adoption, and she had the um, she has two little girls, one is one and one is three, and the natural siblings to those children are thirteen years old, so those little embryos sat on ice for thirteen years and she implanted them so science can do some really cool wow. stuff so yeah
1: but you were, yeah. you were doing this nineteen years
2: ago when this was not common. No, 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 like donor like literally, people are like, I don't even know what that is.
1: And, so, and what a what a um also talking about premature ovarian failure and now premature ovarian insufficiency. What a title to make women feel just completely inadequate. I would think.
2: Yeah, because it's not it's not menopause. It's but it is like the loss of periods, and loss of function of the ovaries, yeah. which we now know and now know helping other women that you know it can it can come back. And is if you look on the internet, is like doom and gloom, donor eggs. Mm -hmm. you know, less than 5% chance of it working, you know, and I didn't have any of the other genetic components. And many people that we we work with don't have the genetic components of like fragile X or Turner, Turner's syndrome and other genetic things. Mine was just like, oops, you know, period's Mm -hmm. gone, premature ovarian failure. I didn't get a second opinion and went, okay, off I went. And Yeah. So we had our daughter and then I had two embryos left over, wanted to have the kids close together. And so we, um, Went back in, I was super stressed because I wanted you know, this timeline that I had you know, manufactured in my mind. And so those didn't work. And then I had to get on another list for a separate donor egg, a separate donor. And, um, and then we're lucky enough to have our son um, three years after that. So they're both well, almost ni- uh, 19 and uh, 16. So it's really then fast forward. After I had my daughter, I remember getting nine colds in one year. Every cold went to a science infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for all the science infections. I started getting chronic bladder infections. Oh no. Blood. Again, again, I took antibiotics for all the sinus, all, all the bladder infections. Um, and then I also had chronic yeast infections. Yeah. So I was taking all kinds of medication for this. I had vertigo, toenail infections, dandruff, all of a sudden so I the sudden. Massive fungal
1: overgrowth yeah. is what I'm oh, hearing.
2: Fungal. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. like the seasonal allergies came in when I never had seasonal allergies before. Um, and then so I really, so then how I, I was in HR at the time, I took a life coaching course, decided I really wanted to get into health and wellness. Then I took a health coaching course, and that's when I discovered all these, these food sensitivities. So for me at the time, it was dairy and gluten, took out dairy and gluten. Lo and behold, the sinus infections started to go <laughs> away, the bladder. You know, I, I became allergic to all the antibiotics. I'd taken so many of them, mm-hmm. um, obviously destroyed all my beneficial gut bacteria, and then, um, so took up dairy and gluten, the infection started to dissipate. And then a little while later took out corn a couple years mm-hmm. after that, took, did some gut testing, found out I had, yes, a fungal overgrowth <laughs> and streptococcus and H. pylori. Yeah. And then also uh, at the base of, I think a lot of this is like the chronic stress. And I would just be like, I literally went through the diagnosis. I'm like, I'm not stressed. I, I literally would have said for years I wasn't stressed. And now I know that I, cause I just like to do a whole whack of stuff. I'm excited. I'm just like a positive, like I deal with people that have, that work with people that have POI or POF and it is a, it's extremely devastating diagnosis, not to be able to see that you potentially could have your own mm-hmm. natural children and, or, you know, biological children. And I had the mindset that I actually thought people that were going through years and years of fertility treatments that they had it worse than I did. And, um, I had just mm-hmm. put, I'm just, I just put my mindset. I knew it was going to work. So, but not everyone can do that. A lot of times there's a lot of grief and pain and not wanting to do donor eggs. And how long do I try with my own and back and forth. uh
1: you just cut out, but Sarah, thank you so much for sharing so much of your story. And I'm, i know that there's probably so much more. I was just on Instagram this morning um, talking about my own story and thinking, God, it's so funny to try and like fit all of this into 18 characters on Instagram, you know, because we're just such complex women. And I know a lot of the women who are listening, you know, Sarah's kind of rattling off all the things that she's been through in her, you know, in her years. But you know, just to summarize, it sounds like what you went through was kind of these these seemingly random, you know, fungal rash, acne on the chin, then you were given birth control. And then, you know, something you mentioned, I want to just go all the back in case um, someone, we are going to do a birth control episode. But what she was saying is that she was having a regular and I'm putting in quotes period, meaning she was bleeding every month. But when you're on birth control, it stops your brain communicating with your ovaries. So it's actually a withdrawal bleed from from the chemicals. So that's what she was saying there when she was talking about um, that she was having a regular cycle, but it wasn't you know, a real cycle. And so when she came off of it and she realized she had the premature ovarian um, insufficiency or um, whatever you want to call it, and then all these things kind of compounded. So, um, but all the while having the chronic stress, Sarah, that is like huge. And I think you're so right. So many of us are just walking around super stressed, but not really taking the time to acknowledge it. Because we just don't live in a society that allows for us to have that. Or we have our own like kind of agenda, like you said you did, you know, with your timeline of when you must have kids and when <laughs>
2: you must get married. And- yeah, I'm a robot and I will do it at a certain time. And it's kind of interesting where like that, and I typically will coach the type A planning, like Uber, like let's have it on my timeline and how I want it done. And typically everything you've done up until then, it's worked because you've thrown everything into it. And now your body's like, nope, I don't think yeah. so.
1: Well and and I know like when we think about it from our perspective, anyone who in this might help, um, who might be thinking, Oh, that maybe that sounds a little bit like me, you know, like the stress hormone cortisol will make you feel kind of invincible. You know, it's actually an anti inflammatory, but it's kinda of like a roller coaster. You like you start at the bottom and then you're like at the top this this cortisol peak and then you come crashing down. Like at some point you have to go back down the other end of the roller coaster. And it's and that's usually when I think people come to see us, don't you think? When when they're coming back down their symptoms are starting to come up and, and kind of all these things that you went through the fungal overgrowth h pylori all things i also personally experienced so i really understand and food sensitivity so so this was many many years ago it sounds like and then and then what happened after after you removed these foods
2: yeah so i was 40 at that point like i taken, i was on birth control for years i had my kids at 30 31 and, and 34 so on birth control and hrt for years and so then I was never able to get my cycle back, but, you know, helping other couples that are dealing with these diagnoses, as I know, I know for sure that there's things that can be done. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, my, my health took a nosedive, and then I was able to, you know, work on all of those different stressors, the gut, the food, the environmental toxins, the mental emotional stuff. And yeah. really, um, you know, it's not a perfect situation here for me. I always find time to stress. I will typically let go of meditation and mm-hmm. the things that help me cope with stress um like I haven't meditated in the last I've moved and done I've been super busy and I literally I'm like it's been like two and a half months since I've meditated I'm like and and I kept (laughs) and and I had done it consistently for the last couple years and I know like for me when I don't do that that is you know it it just kind of sends things off a bit um yeah so it's like to do that self-care which is like super super buzzword right now but A lot of those things, when you find yourself out of alignment, when you're yelling at people, like for me, if I get yelly or if I get cranky or whatever it is, it's like that's out of alignment. I need to bring it back myself to recognize it. A lot of times I don't even recognize that.
1: I think that's so key. What you just said about rec- even just recognizing what the signs are in your body that are that are unique to you. Um, I mean, that it sounds pretty familiar, probably to a lot of people, like just snapping on people, other people, and things like that. But maybe there's something else. Maybe there's maybe you're more inward and you're you're feeling like this tightness in your chest or something that's coming up, or you're more like a gut person, like me, where your anxiety goes right to your gut and you have a loose stool or something like that. So thanks for actually identifying that because this is it's all connected and as functional practitioners like we really do look at you know we want to look at fungal overgrowth we want to look at the h pylori we want to look at the food sensitivities but we also have to look at the stress and trauma what one has been through because we hold that stuff in our body so and thanks for being honest about where you're at with like the lack of meditation i think that's so great that you said that too i'm I'm the same way. I'm pretty honest. Like I haven't really exercised. I mean, I've gone for bike rides and stuff, but I haven't like, you know, hit the gym, right. Cause of COVID, like all of that got screwed up, but I'm just giving myself grace and finding different intuitive movement movements, right. Like that feel good for me. And just recognizing when those signs and symbols come up for me that I need to get back at it, you know, yeah. very cool. Okay. So you identified all these things that was when you were 40 and then you went back to school and, and th- do what you do now. So can you, can you walk us through, well, first of all, if there's anything else in your story you want to share, please do that. Um, I'd also just love a quick summary of, like, again, what premature ovarian insufficiency looks like and how one would go about getting that diagnosis just in case there's somebody who's listening who knows that. And I'd love to just go right into, you know, the elimination diet and and all of that stuff that um, you do so well in your practice.
2: Yeah, so with the POI or POF is basically then it's if you have, it's typically your FSH is, I'm not sure the exact number of what it is to have the diagnosis, but typically, like I'm working with people that have FSH in the 50s, so the foll- follicle stimulating hormone, mm-hmm. so, or more, and then your AMH, your uh, anti-mullerian hormone, that is usually below, below point, um, I think we work with people with point zero nine and zero mm. eight, like in, in there, so it's very low, there's a whole chart on where it is um but a lot of the time but many times people can still be cycling and 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 have this we work with people that are have a, nor, a, a normal cycle it's just their um it's the ovarian reserve not the it's the quantity not the quality mm-hmm. um thing is with poi it can be reversed and a lot of times so basically what happens if you're, you're you go in you get these hormone tests done and you know they may check you for the, for the genetic factors and if you have that fine but if you don't you're, you're basically, you're not a candidate typically for IVF mm-hmm. and you're told that, um, well, IVF with your own eggs, typically they're saying it's a very low chance. And then it would be donor eggs. And many people we work with are like me, they're in their, their late twenties, early thirties being yeah. told it's donor eggs. And then when we go in and looked and we're not doctors and we're going in to take a functional approach, um, and look to see the healing opportunities been, been missed there are heaps and heaps of healing yeah. opportunities that have been missed that to me is like absolute insanity that you're told to go over donor eggs, which is like 40 to 50 K yeah. and it's only a 50% success rate of this, of this working. Um, and you can't, you know, even if you don't have your period, it's not menopause, the period can come back. And um, it's like, it is a, a dire diagnosis, but it, I haven't had one person that comes in and we're like, Ooh, they have POI and low AMH. And we're like, everything else looks perfect. New. There's that's usually, right. There's yeah, always like, another healing opportunity, right? Exactly. Either autoimmune disease. We see that a lot. Like autoimmune disease, it happens within like a fifth of the people with it have yeah. POI. There's an autoimmune disease present. And that's safe for everyone, but again, a fifth, um, we see a lot of thyroid issues, so hypothyroidism, some clinical thyroid issues, uh, Hashimoto's that's been missed, um, more Hashis than Graves. Um, and, uh, so like, yeah, cause we're, we'll typically be working with a POI, POF or a low AMH, high FSH, and then there's diminished ovarian reserve too. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. um, and also we'll work on explained, but, um, sorry, what were you going to
1: say? I was just going to ask, you know, you mentioned that someone with, um, with this condition could not, n- not potentially know, it sounds like, because they could be cycling normally. So would it be like if you were to go and get pregnant that then you would realize that you would have this because you would go through the AMH testing and the FSH testing at some point if you weren't getting pregnant?
2: Yeah, so you'd go to your OBGYN. Oh,
1: she has to, she's sneezing.
2: (laughs) Coughing on my own cough.
1: No worries, no worries. And also I'll, I'll actually, um, I'll come back to that question in a second cuz I know it always like when I cough it takes a second but you know it's just so interesting to think about my own experience with this because I don't know what my doctor tested me on um it was last year and I um or 2 years ago excuse me I was having like a lot of signs of like low estrogen this was like right when I was getting functionally trained so I didn't really know what it meant yet like what was going on in my body but I went to the OBGYN and I had explained to her that my mom had gone through menopause when she was 40 and I was just about to be 30 um and she kind of freaked out <laughs> she was like we have to run all this blood right now or you're never going to get pregnant and I was like well I don't even know if I want kids like that's not even on my radar she ran a, a lab test and she left me a voicemail sarah a voicemail telling me <laughs> that my chances of getting pregnant were were going to be very hard uh very low okay. she didn't explain the science I don't know what lab she ran um and basically if I wanted to have kids, I should start trying now, um, or go to a fertility clinic. Now I am just not somebody who currently uh, like wants to have children, but when I ran my own testing, as you know, um, you know, I discovered heavy metals. I discovered H. pylori, I discovered fungal overgrowth, I discovered nutrient, um, absorption issues I've always had gut issues that I've always worked on so that's always like a weak link for me that I, I continue to, to support and just like you I'm prone to stress so there's always like more levers that I could pull in my health and and things have really improved my um, when I ran my hormone levels at the time I had like postmenopausal hormone levels um, and now they're, they're they're normalized so just another personal story of like you know what Sarah is saying which is that you can you can get these kind of like insanely stressful diagnoses or things thrown at you, but you can come back from it. There is, there is so much that you have control over. So Sarah, now that you're not coughing. (laughs) um, And I've shared this little story. um, Yeah. Can you share with us how someone um, would know if they got the premature ovarian insufficiency and they were still cycling?
2: Yeah, so basically you want to do with your your OBGYN and then potentially if they're gonna refer you to a fertility clinic, particularly with your 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 OBGYN getting some of those basic tests runs, the hormone tests with, with blood. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the only good diagnosis at that stage. I don't know the exact parameters for the diagnosis, um, but it's doing those those basic tests because you could still you could still be cycling, but if your FSH is high and your your AMH is low and you don't they're gonna check for those genetic factors, then um yeah, for sure, and obviously, people that I'm working with, they're they they are actively trying to conceive. So they mm-hmm. potentially would have tried for a year if they're you know under um, thirty five or six months for um, over thirty five and getting that those basic tests done. And they could do
0: yeah.
2: um, other you know pelvic uh, al- ultrasounds and other other tests, kind of for the physical side of things for the uterus. But yeah, there's there's um, so it, it, so it's a devastating diagnosis. And then it's just to dig further, like you're saying, um, even though that's what it is, a snapshot in time right now, there's lots of things we can do to, to work on preconception health. And many times people, the first, they'll, they'll go to the OB/GYN, get the diagnosis, go to the fertility clinic, and potentially have gone. most people that have seen me have gone down number of failed IVFs, failed, failed donor eggs, like it hasn't worked mm-hmm. because there's issues going on in the body. And they, it, the, the first line of defense is, well, let's go to the fertility clinic, and you know it's a multi-billion-dollar business or more, and uh, yeah. they're they're not looking at the root cause.
1: Yeah, and you know I, I think that that's so true. It's not that there's something wrong with going through IVF or IUI or any of those things, but we do have to think about who's who's. Um, pocket, that money is lining. I just had Dr. Lauren Rubal, um, who was in that industry for over a decade, talking about how she has recently switched her practice to be more natural um, and more holistic because there are so many things we have control of that control over that are a heck of a lot cheaper (laughs) than going through a fertility treatment. So, okay. So if someone came to you and they've been through um, years of infertility and they're really trying to get pregnant and, and you want to take a functional approach, like where, where would you generally start? Is there like a kind of a one size fits all, or is it very individual based off the person? Do you run certain tests? Like talk to us about your approach.
2: Yeah. So we have a a method that we we follow, but it is very customized for each person, but basically we, so we, in the beginning, we're just coaching women, Found that was the the missing part. Key was the partners. We do exclusively. We'll do couples coaching program. Obviously, if there's a single person that's trying with, with a donor, um, a donor typically women would be single women. We would coach. If we're doing a donor sperm. We uh, we can do that, and we do same sex as well. So, um, but typically uh, couples, and um, so we'll have both partners do the elimination diet. Mostly, so it's typically more female factor infertility that we're dealing with. Typically, the man, the male partner, is like my sperm is fine. Well, there's always things we can do to optimize his preconception health, and he may not even know what he can do. Like she's come in, she's got, she has, she's a type A researcher. She has researched this stuff. She has gone organic. She's, you know, made a lot of changes to her diet, maybe kind of partially gluten free, dairy free, some of it. So um, we're just we're going to tweak that even further. So we're going to have both the partners do the elimination diet. We find regularly that um, the female partner has like non celiac gluten sensitivity, so even if she's tested negative, yeah. false negatives on the celiac test. You're only looking at four proteins in gluten where there's yep. more than 60. So she's going to so, – and we're running a, um, a food sensitivity t- test. She could, you know, be off the chart for gluten. So both partners do the elimination diet, see exactly how food makes them feel. We'll have the female partner do the food sensitivity test. Right now we like the Zoomer test that we're, we're I running love Zoomer.
1: US. That's my yeah, favorite, that's especially for gluten yeah. because you can see yeah. – I mean. So let's stop. Let's start. Let's talk about the gluten because I know that was also your one of your first ones, and it's one of mine, and it's it's like pretty much common across the board. And what Sarah is talking about is there's a test called the Zoomer test that is going to like look at all these individual markers for gluten, Um, and and it's pretty incredible because you can see how someone um, is super super sensitive. I actually just ran a Zoomer on a client who um, is not trying to get pregnant currently, but um, she had other hormone issues, but she has no symptoms, like no, you know, if people think, oh, I've, I've got celiac, right? And you think, oh, digestive issues. But I'm sure as you've experienced, it's it's not just the gut. And in this case, for her, it's fatigue. And for me, it was brain fog and fatigue. I mean, I, I don't know what your symptoms are, but do you find that in your practice that when you run a yeah, boomer? Sure.
2: A lot yeah. of times people are like, oh, wait, I don't, I don't have any digestive issues. Of course, it's not as, but that food sensitivity. So for me, I didn't have, I had great digestion. So it, but it is digestion gas. I did have bloating. Mm-hmm. So I, for years it was like thin with this like belly and what the heck's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like gas, bloating, you know, constipation, diarrhea, but then also, so skin. So I had the eczema, I had the acne, there's psoriasis, dermatitis, I had dermatitis mm-hmm. as well. Um, skin rashes, um, hives, and then also, um, mood. I have like irritable like just a cranky yeah. pain in the butt for you know just would be like why is this closet messy and I'd want to throw the shoe you know just like irritable <laughs> I don't know what the heck was going so you know I'm not some perfect you know even keeled person now but definitely I can see you're a, like, you're, you're a saint I'm not like so pardon
1: you're a saint now saint Sarah <laughs> yeah, that's right
2: that's right but for years that irritability was there I didn't it just came out of freaking nowhere i'd yeah. be like just like so, irrit- so mood issues adhd anxiety depression brain fog like you're talking about headaches and then also joint issues like it's interesting mm-hmm. i did get glutened into a restaurant about a week and a half ago and um ordered steak and i um i i said gluten dairy free and all the rest of the allergies and then it came and it was like my first big outing after really covid right so i'm on a patio and eating this and i'm like I don't know about this sauce like that's oh, no. why is this sauce on here and I didn't go and usually I'm like the chef over and did the, the big thing well my husband so we the whole family is gluten dairy free um so my husband um he went into a, his weakness is a sinus so it, it, it did a whole sinus thing for him he went into his ears he was like lying on the couch for like three days dying Oh my gosh. I, my boyfriend
1: like, is the same way with the sinuses. It's so, that's so interesting. Sorry, I keep going. Sinus. And then
2: I, then I like literally two or three days later, I'm like, I thought I had the worst carpal tunnel of my life. I'm like, mm-hmm. I couldn't even pick up like a glass. I was trying to open a window. I'm like, so for me, it's like gone into like some joint. And th- I thought, what the heck am I going to do? Am I going to, and then literally within two or three days after that, then it went away. So, um, it's interesting kind of what, so the joint pain, joint yeah. stiffness Mm-hmm. And then auto, autoimmune disease. So a lot of people think, "Oh, I don't have digestive issues," but I'd say the the majority of people we work with, like something is going. There, there's always some sort of food sensitivity, which is, you know, a stress on the body. So we really do the elimination diet, so you know, you know exactly yeah. what it is, and it's the gold standard. It's not forever. Tweak it with the food sensitivity test because people that are trying to get pregnant are are in a panic. They want to have their baby now. There's no mm-hmm. perfect. There's no perfect food sensitivity test. Uh, it's a snapshot in time. Could, and it could be if your immune system is really low, maybe nothing will show up. Other times, if you know if you're if you've got leaky gut intestine permeability, the whole thing could be lit up, which that has been me, and we have yeah. that with people. So what Sarah's
1: saying is, I, um, for anyone who's not heard this before, um, oftentimes when we run these tests, if someone's immune system, which is like. A chemical and physical barrier, um, it's kind of like fighting a war. So if it's been fighting a war for a really long time, it's depleted. And so what she's saying is if it's, if it's really depleted and you eat a food like gluten that you are actually sensitive to, it won't necessarily show up as high as it would or maybe at all because... The immune system is is just depleted. There's not enough reserve there. And and on the opposite end, if you're kind of still fighting the war, but it's like you know many years prior, your immune system's going haywire, and it might be like inappropriately tagging a lot of foods that are seeping through the small intestine um, in between the epithelial cells, um, and that's what is called leaky gut, which we talked about on the um, gut, uh, gut. Uh, we talked about it twice with Kim K and also like Kyleen. So if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, go back and listen to those because as we know, all disease begins in the gut. So um, thank you, Sarah. I just want to always try to think about where they might be listening. Like, what is she, oh. what is she saying? Um, and that's so amazing. Okay. So you're, you're doing that and you're probably getting one or the other, right? It's like...
2: Yeah, something's going on there. So the food sensitivities, and then we'll do the Dutch test, looking to see, looking at your urine over the course of two days using, um, um, so that's so the Dutch let's see your hormones using urine, so your sex hormones as well as your melatonin, your cortisol. A lot of times we see people potentially it could be flatline, your cortisol is flatline, or we do see that you know in the morning rise and then. Whoop, like okay, you can look at literally, well, when, um, so, so I work my, as part of my functional diagnostic nutrition practitioners, they're the one that's going to be, um, running the test and then developing the protocol and helping them coach it coach through it. But it'll be interesting when we do the, the testing and be like, oh, do you get it? Do you feel kind of great in the morning? And then do you have like a really bad afternoon slump? And then do you get kind of have a hard time falling asleep at night? So you can kind of see the cortisol levels, how and the person's like, yeah. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) And then um, you can see sometimes gut bugs are more active at night, so it might spike a bit. Um, And then looking at the sex hormones. Sometimes people's hormones are quite strong, like their uh, DHEA is strong. Um, Other times it's low. So it it is basically, it's not like you have this diagnosis and then we go on the Dutch and every person's Dutch test is the same. Not at all. So that's the very very individual side of this. And And I think, you know, it's it's uh, low, we we can shift the needle.
1: Right. And it's so different per, per woman, right? I mean, that's so interesting. I love that you just explained so mon- so much of like my favorite test, which of course is Dutch. It's so awesome that you get to do that. And um, okay, so you're running Dutch, you're running Zoomer, you're doing food sensitivities, you're doing elimination diet. Now, actually, could we go back to elimination diet? So are you doing um, like just the big ones, like gluten, dairy, corn, soy, um, sugar, are you doing like a full autoimmune paleo, you know, protocol where you're moving everything like eggs and stuff, or is it kind of individual to the person?
2: So we start just with the basic elimination. So dairy, corn, soy, uh, peanuts, eggs, and gluten, Mm -hmm. taking those out for 10 days, systematically reintroduce them as well as processed sugar. Obviously we'd like you to go organic as well, and then reintroduce, see how you feel. And then depending on, obviously if someone has has an autoimmune disease, we're going to um, then suggest the AIP diet, the autoimmune protocol. We don't typically start with that right at, at the beginning because it can be like super overwhelming when you're taking nightshades and you know all the all the, the carbs and rice and things like that. So it could be like, whoa, what's this? tell me but about you, it? Do you limit, <laughs> do you limit, pardon?
1: I said, tell me about it. I was 23 when I yeah. did AIP by myself, so I told. Totally, oh my goodness!
0: Yeah, yeah I hear
2: you. So it can be hard, hardcore, but lots of studies. Not lots, but they're doing studies that have been published in the Journal of American Medicine uh, about the efficacy of the AIP diet with Hashimoto's, with uh, IBD, um, Crohn's, colitis. So definitely some some studies coming up saying how effective it is. And definitely, if you have an autoimmune disease, to me, if you have an autoimmune disease and you've just run off to the fertility clinic, it's just absolute insanity. Like there's things we can do to help. You know, there's so many healing opportunities that that are that are missed and Getting things in check before. Like, if you either get pregnant naturally, there's no negative side effects of, of working on the health for you and your partner, or if you do go to the clinic, you're going to increase your success. And, you know, try to, that's quite an investment. And it can take an average of uh, three cycles that it costs us $60,000 for a successful mm-hmm. IVF. So that's a lot of money and a lot of heartache each time it doesn't work. So to me, you know, there's no, there's no down effect of this. But yeah, so it's elimination diet, tweak with the food sensitivity test if if needed AIP diet, but definitely more of a lower carb would be depending on like we look at blood sugar. Or so we're let's go back So it's the food sensitivity test, we do the Dutch test, and we do the stool test. Mm-hmm. Most you people see GI some sort yeah, the GI yes. map we're using, most people we see is got there's a there's a um, gut infection, H. pylori, streptococcus, fungal, mm-hmm. um, worms, parasites, all these like most people have got a gut infection. We see people with, like, multiple, multiple things going on in there. Um, a lot of H. pylori pass back and forth to the partner. Um, so, so often. the partner would then go on a protocol, yeah, with saliva, and even the pet. The pet's giving you a little lick. you got to treat the pet, too. Um, it's kind of hard. Super to, to fun, think. right? Yeah. And yeah. then the last thing we're doing is the hair tissue mineral analysis tests, and that's looking, awesome. you know, you can be well-fed but malnourished. So nutrient deficiencies, we see a lot of people that have been on, Long term hormonal birth control, which then predisposes you to food sensitivities to gut infections, the, the, the wealth, the malnourished. Yeah. 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 So that's amazing, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. And, oh. then, and then we're going to dig, so then we'll look at like the food piece and just dig further and further on, on that. And if you're looking at blood chemistry review for both partners, not to diagnose, but to educate, and you're know, looking at the blood chem using functional ranges what areas have been missed. Again, it's, it all tells a story of looking at the blood chemistry, looking at the testing, looking at your health history, and you're like, okay, here's the story of whatever it may be, you know, blood sugar imbalance, thyroid imbalance, we see thyroid dysfunction all the time, um, like all of this, and people are like, but, but let's just focus on my eggs. Well, no, like if you look at the whole body, because there's all these things of what can I do for egg health, and I'm going to take, you know, all these supplements and fertility superfoods and, you know, fertility teas, as I see. as I see you drink, like um, <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. drinking, I'm just drinking regular tea. I'm not trying to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah. I know like fertility teas though. And there's, you know, essential oils and all these things, people go off down a little yeah. bit of a rabbit hole there, which like this, we're looking Again, at Again, spending basics. money w- without knowing a lot of money. what's actually their hidden stressors. Absolutely. So mm. it is kind of, and also I've got people jump, I got type A people that I'm, w- I'm working with. So I got people jumping through the zoom screen saying, give me the protocol, give me the supplements. And it's important. Oh gosh, Yeah, yes. it's, <laughs> totally yeah it's important this. to like, mm-hmm. let's work on the diet, let's work on the sleep, let's work on the movement, and let's mm-hmm. work on the stress. Mm-hmm. Like those basics, you can't, like, we're going to give the protocol, but if you're in a high stress job, because most, a lot of people are in these, working more than 50 hours a week, you know, a lot of stress all over and you can just see them when they come on the call, their shoulders are at their ears and they're, and they're like vibrating with not able to like set boundaries and saying no to work and. All of that. Like again, this is a very this is a layering process. It's a six month couples coaching program. We slowly layer it in, and we start. And after the six months, you're like, oh, damn, I've made. It's like life changing. Um, Not all at once. So it's slow, slow but fast. Fast results, but slow.
1: Oh, this is so cool for me to hear because obviously. I'm, I'm, I am an FDNP. So I'm, I'm like the women on your team. I know how to interpret all these labs and these are, these are my five core. So if someone signs up for me with six months, I do exactly what you did plus the blood chem. And, um, but I don't work with couples and I don't work really with fertility. It's really more with women who have menstrual cycle issues. with so PCOS, missing periods, endometriosis, painful periods, irregular cycles, and, and a lot of the GI stuff as well, and um, fatigue and, and, you know, all the symptoms that you've listed off, but just not honing it in towards fertility and so it's just so great to hear that there are because I, I will get people who, who that's their sole thing is they want to get pregnant and now I know exactly where to send them and know that you are you guys are looking at it holistically which is so important because like you said it's it's an onion it's a layer <laughs> I mean I I feel like you know very blessed that we have access to the information as you know like when you were going through all this stuff we didn't have this I mean even for me I, I got you know, quote, diagnosed with leaky gut on Hashimoto's eight years ago. I mean, AIP was just like a thing, but like it just, there was not a lot of resources. Um, and so these women are so lucky to have you. So, okay. So we've talked about the symptoms. We talked about your process. What are some of the results that you're seeing after these six months with, with women who come to see you? Are they getting pregnant right away? Is there more healing to be done? I know For me and a lot of women probably that you've experienced, like if they've got a lot of heavy metals, things like that, it can take time, right, to to detox the body and to get it. Also to a word you said to like a good preconception body because that's something else I see a lot of women do, which is like really heartbreaking. They're running to... You know, IVF clinics, which I totally get because you want to get pregnant right now, but then the body isn't really like in a place to provide a safe haven for that baby. So I I would imagine that by detoxing heavy metals, by getting your gut healed, by removing food triggers, by balancing your nutritional deficiencies, all those things are going to make you and and dad um, a, a better you know, couple for not just getting pregnant, but also the baby being like a super baby.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, so can you exactly. talk to us about the results you're seeing? Yeah. So it is, so I'll give you a, a case example. So we had someone, she came in, she's like, oh, I'd actually make a great case study. study and she kind of laughed. Um, but she had the AMH of 0.09, basically told donor eggs are for her. She had done one IUI, three IVFs, failed that, um, came in. She's like super left-brain science-minded. We, we work with a lot of like doctors and nurses and people in the healthcare field that just like the functional side of things. And they're like, give me the test, let's go. That's so um, cool. So yeah, it's cool. So then um, so she she really jumped in and was very very focused. Her, husband, her partner had some mood issues and anxiety, and but his sperm was fine. Uh, so they both did the, the elimination diet, made the changes there, um, and we found out that she had some non-celiac gluten sensitivity. For her, it was very high. So making sure that the house was gluten free, she transitioned over to the AIP diet after a month after the elimination diet. She had multiple parasites, like I think it was like nine different gut infections, just like riddled with stuff. Um, oh, ouch, and, but she, she was like this action-oriented person she, she did travel a bit but she tried to she really the, like the work for her was a huge stressor so she tried to she pulled back on that um and then she for her the mindset piece was difficult because she wanted to do vigorous exercise and running and, and biking and So I had to pull back there. Please talk about why that's not good. I would love to. uh, There's a whole other episode. I know. We see a lot of people that are like running the marathon, like training the marathon, like that vigorous exercise which then impacts your cortisol. So it's like, how do you feel after that the next day? And even really if you feel, because it's like that's a lot for people that they want to have that stress released. They need the exercise. and And then, but the next day they could be dragging. And if you've got all these things going on in your body, that's an additional stressor. So it's typically more, it's not about, it's moderate exercise, not sitting on the couch, but it's not vigorous. It's like basically um, some weight training, some brisk walking, fertility yoga, which is hatha, restorative yin, like super slow where you want to run out the room, but that's the point. Um, so the exercise piece is key. Uh, you know, for her, she was over exercising, so dialed it back. Um, and then within four months, she was pregnant naturally. So, and she's like, I had That's the amazing. best pregnancy and her little boy was like super healthy, and all like all that stuff. So it's like, been, you awesome. know, here she is, I'll make a great, great case study. And we've had people with POI, you know, failed, failed cycles, and then going back to IVF and getting pregnant with their, with, uh, with their own eggs. So, That's and amazing. we also, help, we also help people that, you know, they decided that donor eggs are for them and we help that be successful. Like you've made the decision, you're in that mindset. I want donor eggs then um, can go through there. But yeah, there's, there's, um, mm-hmm. so it's just taking the same process with the testing, with the changes, looking yeah. at her and her partner's mood improved. And his. things he, he had a hard time leaving, you know, leaving the house. Uh, he was very yeah. like self-critical. So like a lot of the coaching around that and stuff too. And then with the food changes, Really so health, important so. for the yeah. men
1: too. So important. We focus so much on women's health and um the men don't don't get that same benefit in terms of the mental health. We were just I was just talking about that in um, a mastermind class yesterday and I think it's so true and, and you know you just you just said something that I want to go back to um, and I think we're probably close to wrapping up this episode but the over exercising thing, you know, what you were saying is so key. I think we don't realize that, you know, you just, you just risked, okay, heavy metals, mineral imbalances, right? Hormonal imbalances, um, food sensitivities, um, mental, emotional stress. These are all internal and external stressors on the body. And then you add on a vigorous exercise. And what people, what women don't realize is that that's an additional stressor, like you said, I mean, that's a huge thing to realize. So I totally agree with you that, you know, moderate exercise, depending on what's going on for the woman, is so, so key. And I really appreciate you bringing that up alongside just for the third time, bringing up how important managing stress is. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, sitting there. I don't think it, it doesn't have to be sitting there in like the perfect yogic position and meditating with your hands out and being like, oh, um, you know, you know <laughs> it doesn't have to be it. It can be whatever lights you up, whatever calms you down, whatever helps you get into your body and out of your head. So Wow. Gosh, this is so great, Sarah. Oh, anything anything else that you'll want to share about your process, your team, um, things you've learned along the way about infertility, um, other people that you support, anything like that?
2: Yeah. So we take the mind, body, spirit. So the body, looking at those physical stressors, the mind, a lot of people can be like, I don't even think it's going to work. So those negative thoughts, oh, the yeah. triggers, every time I had people, every time they saw family would go into a downward spiral because it was secondary infertility. They felt, you know, a little person is missing from their family equally mm-hmm. as, equally as painful as primary uh, infertility. Yeah. Um, and, oh and so like those triggers, the comparison stuck on Instagram in a dark, ugly, dark mm-hmm. hole, like a celebrity gets pregnant and the, and the infertility community just loses their mind of like, well, what, you know, what did she do? And I can't believe she got pregnant. You know, that, those kind of things. So it's very painful. So the mindset we have uh, mindfulness, fertility, programs that, that we run. And that's, that's part of our, our couples coaching program too, but the mindset and then the spiritual side of it where like, if you can't see this, like, so if you knew the soul of your baby was waiting for you, how would you approach this, this journey differently? Like if you, those little spiritual nudges that we all have, the synchronicities that are, that are happening in the world. You know, if you think of a friend and the friend calls you, um, like having little spiritual helpers around you that we all have these things that can be really helpful for people during this, especially if there's Like past trauma, which typically even going through with a diagnosis and then going through those failed cycles. That's why it's like the mind, body, spirit, and um, like all of it. And we can do all the physical and the gut and all the testing because I, you know, a type A kind of healthcare professional is like, yeah, give me that stuff. But then it's also like the mind, the thought process, and then the spiritual. If we're all connected, and how would you do it differently if it's not your timing? Because the uncertainty drives people mad. Um, because it's a planner, we want to plan this. We want to have baby in, you know, mm-hmm. six months because this is when we're supposed to have the baby. Um, and so, just like but, you, just like totally. your brain works, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that, um, but looking at all of that, and yeah, I think what I've discovered from people working with it with people, and, and it's kind of myself coming in, and it's a similar me, but you know, I'm hopefully further along the journey. Um, but it is people dealing with that, those mindset issues, working on the chronic stress, but also like I see like the themes are like non-celiac gluten sensitivity. We see that a lot. We see thyroid imbalance, um, a thyroid dysfunction, uh, blood sugar imbalance, like low vitamin D. We regularly see people in the teens or in the single digits for, for vitamin D. It's a hormone, so it's fine to supplement. But then why is it low? Thyroid. Gut infections, food sensitivities, autoimmune. Like what's been missed. Um, regularly see birth control, like long-term hormonal birth control. People on it, on the pill for ten, fifteen, twenty years, and then why did you go on? Typically not for prevention. It was because of painful, irregular, crampy periods, PMS, and acne. And they were put on the pill. So those are kind of some of the the themes we see. Um, yeah. Yeah, like to me, there's lots of things to do, like missing opportunities. But taking that very target approach because you can go to Doctor Google and get all this different information, but it can be super overwhelming. And you can try different diets, but you know, is that the right thing for you? So testing just really just like nails it in. But then you still need to do the work.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, yes. And then you still need to do the work, Sarah. And and also. Yeah, you've got to do the work. There's so many parts of it, right? Like, I, I mean, I'm sure you experience this too, like how many times you get a DM from someone or, you know, an email from someone saying, you know, I've tried being vegan, I've tried exercising, and it's not working. And, you know, for most of us in functional nutrition, functional medicine, whatever title you want to put it on, um, we realize that, diet and exercise is just two of the pillars. Like you just went through this whole episode talking to us about all these other stressors that can be going on and, and it can feel overwhelming at first, but at the same time, you're peeling back layers to your own story and your own health journey, and you're improving your life for yourself and also your future baby in the case of working with Sarah Clark. So this is incredible. Oh my gosh. I I have chills. This is, this is so great. I can't wait to share this with so many women who need to, who need your services. So how do people get in touch with you? What's your, your website? How can people
2: schedule a consultation? Are you seeing new new clients these days or tell us all about that? Yeah. So the best place to find me is on Get Pregnant Naturally, my podcast. So I interview uh, people in the functional medicine space, functional nutrition, as well as natural fertility space, mind, body, spirit. So that's on itunes or spotify so get pregnant naturally and then i also offer a free uh, fertility diet challenge so fertility diet freebie f-r-e-e-b-i-e and then you get a three-day challenge with recipes they can do that with uh, their partner and uh, they can sign up for that and start you know taking out those inflammatory foods and seeing how you feel and um yeah we're we're um we're booking into well i'm not sure when this is going in but we typically are a couple months um Looking okay, a couple months ahead, so yeah, if it feels right for you and your partner, but definitely things we can do. I interviewed Dr. Ben Lynch, who I love his his um, oh, book Dirty Jeans. Yeah, and he and he talked about well, why are we spending 12 to 18 months planning our wedding, and then the first month we want to have our baby? Mm. Let's we'll switch this over. Epigenetics, you know, the switches for diet, and lifestyle can be turned on or off. Like healthy mom and dad, healthy pregnancy, healthy baby you know, healthy postpartum period, like it all oh, matters and really the grand scheme of things, taking this time to prepare your body,
0: you know, mind, body,
2: spirit for a baby. It's, it's, there's no, to me, there's no negative side effects. Only, the only effects of this is that you're going to feel better and get healthy.
1: Absolutely. And and epigenetics, I know I've said this on the podcast before, you guys, but it's such an incredible field of study. And Dr. Ben Lynch is an expert. And, and what he basically teaches is exactly what Sarah has been explaining this whole episode, which is is that no matter what cards you're given, you have a 90% ability to act on your genes. So for example, if there's a lot of infertility, or there's a lot of Hashimoto's, or there's all these different things that you feel like are stacked against you, you have the ability through your quote environment, like all the things Sarah just went through to turn on and off those genes. And, you know, if I I have my, I've done my genetics. If I was living by my genetics, I would be still sick and like living <laughs> and like not being able to get out of bed like I was eight years ago. Okay. So, you know, you can have like crappy genetics and still live a very amazing, like fabulous, fit, healthy lifestyle. You just have to know the levers to pull. And that's why you would go and work with someone like Sarah, um, on all these things. So thank you so much. Is, um, I think your website's fabfertile.com, Is that right? Yes. Okay. So fab you've got your, um, you've got your podcast and then people can get their freebie from you as well. Is that on, on the website as well?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Actually it's, okay. if they just do a fertility diet freebie, they can get it there.
1: Oh, amazing. Anything else? Any last words of wisdom you want to share with the ladies? Or yeah, the I like this
2: quote. I think I don't know if the quotes from Dr. Mark Hyman or Dr. Oz, but it's like your body will whisper to you when you ignore the signals, it'll start shouting you in the form of disease. So what is your body's your, your body right now with infertility? It's shouting. So let's step back. Listen, so you can take two steps back to take you know, one giant leap forward, what your body is trying to tell you something.
1: Mm, yeah so as um sarah and i learned the hard way our body yes. started screaming at us so let's hopefully you guys hear this when it's still whispering and you can take really good action before it starts screaming is that kind of the s- synopsis of that quote
2: <laughs> exactly exactly and it's kind of what i wish i knew you know back then i didn't know i didn't get a second opinion on this i went okay bye bye so there's there's things you can do and to me it's very empowering extremely empowering Sarah, thank
1: you so much for being on the show. And thank you so much for dedicating your life to educating and empowering women in this fertility space.
2: Awesome. Thanks so much. And thanks to all that you do as well.
1: Thank you so much. And ladies, this is Sophie Shepard, your host of the She Talks Health podcast. I'm a functional nutrition coach and a menstrual health coach and educator. um, And I am here to empower and educate you as well. um, Before you get pregnant, Um, the menstrual cycle and all of those things, um, I talk about them on my Instagram. I'm at She Talks Health and If you have a friend who is suffering through infertility um, and could use Sarah and her team, please, please send this podcast episode to them so they can get the help they need and get empowered. And I'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you for joining us this week for She Talks Health. Please join Sophie Shepherd again next week for another episode of our show on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Have a great week. Sophie Shepard is a functional nutrition practitioner and founder of SHE. Sophie helps busy women all over the world go from menstrual cycle chaos to optimal hormonal alignment so they can live their lives fully without being held back by their bodies, using the power of functional lab testing combined with life-changing mindset shifts and integrating the entire body's system. If the only thing holding you back is your health, it's time to stop letting hormonal chaos run your world. Book your health discovery call today by going to SheTalksHealth.com.